I'm very good. How are you, sir? Good. Are you ready for my chief complaint against you? Would it matter if I was or I wasn't? No. No, and I appreciate you picking up on that. So then, please don't ask rhetorical questions. You could not care less, so fire away. Well, that's what this show does, is ask things that (laughs) are not important. Uh, You live in Calgary now, and you never come and visit me. What the hell? You know what? I don't really have an answer to that. We come through very quickly, and I, I, I don't want to pop in. Nobody likes to pop in. So, like, you're on the air, and then I go up to that window that's beside you there, and I just press myself up against it. Don't think it hasn't <laughs> crossed my mind, because it has. Fortunately, my wife has talked me out of it, I'm going to say, half a dozen times. But we're, we just usually just fly through Edmonton. We're not, we're not there that much. We're just traveling the world, man. Well, I'm going to I'm going to say this to you. I understand. And here's why I understand. Because if you have to drive into the city and where you know I you're going to Calgary and you're coming from where Vermillion? Uh, we're coming from Bonneville. But same thing. So, yeah. like it's how far is Bonneville from Edmonton? 2 hours? 220? 220. Okay. 2 hours so, and 20 minutes. So, we, we go like through Mundare and right. Andrew. Okay, do you get the sausage at Mundare? What, duh. Yeah. I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Man, so Yeah, good. we actually, sometimes we actually plan the trip because it's like, oh, it closes at 5. Okay, well, of we course. have to be there at 3.30. Like yeah. you would, right? Of course. Yeah, so, of course. So, yeah. like, I, here's, here's what I learned as a child from my dad, Ira. If you're burning daylight and you've got a 2.20 to the town and then you still got a ways to go and you've got to drive probably an hour out of your way to come and see me, I totally get that because then it turns into an exhausting day. And who wants that at our age? Can I be honest with you, though? And this is nothing against my better half. But if I was by myself, I would I would do it. No problem. But I'm all I'm a some would say over. It's OK. Some would say over considerate. But I just think I, I can't do that and then make her sit and, unless unless she wants to go to the mall or something like that. So I always just kind of. I've got her in the front of my mind, and that precludes a lot of visits because I just don't want her to have to sit there and wait. You know what that makes you? I don't know. A keeper. You're a keeper. Well, maybe. No. Maybe. Has she kept you around all these years? She she has. Right. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how strong the string is. It could be just a little bit of uh, a thin wire filament at this point. But how long does she? Hanging. How long does she keep the carpet? After she says this carpet needs replacing, if you needed to be replaced, you would be. I guess that's possible. I guess I haven't really thought of it that way. It's something to think about, which I knew you were going to give me today. So Incre- I'm appreciative of that. What I'm finding about a women is increasingly uh, men are replaced by not men. They just they just move on with their lives and have fun, and that is the danger that all men should be aware of. Is that I, you know what? There's so many dangers. I, if I think about them, I just became <laughs> I become tied up in knots. So I just try to forget the dangers and and go from there. I do try to every once in a while when we're going to Bonnie, they'll say, "Any chance we could you know be there on Friday at one o'clock so I could swing in and see Al?" The conversation does happen. Yeah. It's just it, it the you know the the tumblers don't fall in that direction very much. <clears throat> That's okay. Don't you worry. I, I was gonna go and I should have gone. With why can't you give your damn opinion? You're always pulling punches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I learned one thing when I was producing TV, and that is opinionless TV 
is horse bleep TV. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way it is. Do you remember? Uh, you have to remind me. It came out of Calgary. Billy Powers was on it. Was it Sports Hot Seat? Is that what it was yes. called? Yes, it was. I believe it was, yeah. yeah. Right. So I know Bill Powers was on it, and then I can't remember. I get, it was a bunch of Cal- other Calgary media people, and they would put somebody on that hot seat. And, I mean, the set was so spartan. It was just a chair and three guys talking to this, this man or woman. And But it was always, to me, engaging television. Yeah. And I always thought, if you can engage with people just giving opinions back and forth, why in the hell aren't you doing that? I never understood that. I never and, – and it was funny because you'd work with commentators, and they would be so opinionated at dinner. And then the red light would go on, and they just became this – honest to God, Al, this different person. Yeah. And I just – I never understood that. I never, and I, I also never understood how would you expect us to work with you when you do that? You're not being an honest person on the air. I never understood that. I'll I'll die before I understand that. Well, I think you made a great point there when you talked about you know like I think that I think that TV worries too much about the set and not who's on the set. And I'm going to give you an example. Anson Carter would have been available for a long time, decade before he got you know where he is today, uh, and anybody could have picked him up. He's brilliant. How that guy wasn't on television uh, is beyond me because I love him during the intermissions. He's so good. And, but the set seems to be the big thing. Well, we've invested a lot in our set. We can move over here. We've got a, a, a net set up and d- don't spend any money on the set. Just have a chair and a light bulb, but get a good guy. And you know, what's funny Al? I think if you got together a hundred guys who watch at home, 97 couldn't even tell you what the set looked like. They couldn't care less. But when you're in television, you all of a sudden have that. There's a. I started Hockey Central Saturday. I produced the very first show. I birthed it. I birthed the idea. I went to our set designer, a guy named Dean Bender, who was one of the most creative people I ever met. Terrible producer, but really creative person. And he invented this disco floor, which was up off the floor and it was lit. And our guys were standing at podium and we were right in the middle of the newsroom. I bet you, Al, half of what I put into the prep of that show was working with Dean on working on figuring out the best set for that show. And I guarantee you, nobody who ever saw that show could even <laughs> tell you what the set looked like. Nobody. I think but you're if, right. If, it, that's right. But if you throw that away as a producer, you know, whatever, just do whatever, you are now not seen as being doing your job. And I think that's BS because I think you're right. It's really all that matters is the nuts and bolts of what's said and what's done on camera. Yeah, I totally I totally buy in on that. Now, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. They won a big game in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. After they, they win a bunch, they lose a bunch. But I, I like their defensive game for the most part now. They gave up three five-on-five goals but scored six last night. As the year comes to an end, Blansky, what do you think about the Oilers? Like, people are saying, are they going to make the playoffs? And I'm like, hell if I know. they got to play the games. Isn't that weird, though? Isn't yeah. that weird that we have no – this is – got to help me. I think tonight's game 31, maybe? Y- yes, it is. Um, yeah. Um, we have no clue after 30 games. <laughs> when, when has that ever happened? You have no clue what that team is after 30 games. Yeah. Because they've been, they've been way over here, and then they've been 180 degrees over here. Now, the fact that you say their defense – you're I, I can't remember exact words, but we're, I'm happy with their defense. I'm happier with it, too. 
And that's never, ever going to be a bad thing. Because if you can hold the other team to two or less, you're going to win most games. You just are. And when you've got really talented players like Drysaddle with that insane backhand goal last night, do you know I was able to yell at McDavid last night three times, (laughs) shoot, shoot, shoot. And then when you see the angle from behind the net, it's clear why he didn't shoot. And I thought, wow, that is some extraordinary skill right there. Yeah, top end for sure. From from the side, you can't tell who's in front of him because the perspective's wrong. But from behind the net, I thought, wow. But he waited so long, I could yell it three times. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So when you've got that offensive skill, if you can hold them to two or less, you are going to win way more games than you lose. And in the playoffs, you're going to win more games than you lose. So people now, it's... Um, and I'm not. I, I am in no way being critical because I understand that fans are fans, and I have spent many years yelling at the television. But we go day to day like the goaltenders aren't under fire today because they won last night and the goaltending was good. Uh, and Ryan McLeod was being traded yesterday for a load of hay. Now he can play left wing on on Drysidle's line. So it it. Like I, th- I know they're not done, and I think we talked yesterday about John Gibson as a as a as an option to acquire for goal. But is it still about the goalie? Do you need to go get a John Gibson or a similar? Is that the big play here for the Oilers? Bruce Winter texted me the other day, tweeted me the other day, and said, um, what, "What do you think about the goaltending?" And I said, "You know, I really think if you play lockdown defense, I think you can get away with an average goaltender." And then I looked up Vasilevsky, uh, Sorokin and Bobrovsky, and uh, Vasilevsky's low on the save percent this year, but I realize he hasn't played much. The other two guys were right in the middle of the league. I said, you can get away with an average goalie if you just lock it down defensively. And it to me, and I didn't play much, but I played a little. Playing good defense is the easiest thing to do. I played a ton of basketball. Oh, my God. It's so easy to play great defense in basketball. So easy. Offense is trickier because you got to rely on what they give you. But good defense is so easy. So if Paul Coffey and Chris Knobloch are able to keep that mindset, guys, just we're just going to prevent goals and take what we get. They're going to win. If you had one thing that you could wish for Oiler fans after after the end of the year, because you know where the trade deadline is done or the uh, trade freeze is on, it'll be done uh, in a few days. What like do you want you you talk a lot about you know energy effort heart and soul is that what you think they need the Oilers yeah I think they need to find what works consistently and best for them I I don't think I could say that again if you gave me a hundred tries <laughs> they need to find what I don't know why it came out what works best and consistently for them and I just. I can't believe at this point with the number of coaches that these you know guys have had over the years that they have not been able to figure out that key component. It's, it, it's really basic in sports. Find out what works best for you and then keep doing it until it doesn't work. But they just cannot seem to figure that out. I'll, I'll be honest, in that eight-game win streak, I thought they were – I thought, wow, this is going to be a big swing. And then – Skinner lets in those two goofy goals against Tampa. And it's like the whole thing fell apart. And I'm like, 
come on. Like, are we not strong enough to get past that? But I guess maybe we're not yet. So how long do they have, Steve? <laughs> before, before before we're sounding the death knell? Well, before we, like, I, I still think a pressure point is Leon Dreisaitl this summer. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it is because if you find out, if he says, let's wait and see, then I think the new general manager really has to make a very difficult decision. Do you go one final year with, with you know, a real danger of losing a player, an impact player for nothing? Or do you make the call in the summer of 2024? Well, you can't lose an impact player for nothing. You simply can't. And I'm not going to flip-flop in midstream. Although I do, I don't have a problem when people change their opinion. I still don't think this core is championship. I just, I hate saying that because I'd rather be a thousand miles away from that, from from the core being champions, than really close but not good enough. I just don't see it. It's and it's got nothing to do with talent. It's just got to do with with heart and the way they play. And like I said, I, whatever that sentence was that I can't even repeat now because I yes. can't remember it. Yes. But it was it was exactly what I meant. And they just they haven't figured that out. And I think at some point you got to look and go, okay, guys, this group is never going to figure that out. We have to move some of the deck chairs. Interesting. So now, uh, do you cook the turkey at the house, or how does that work at Christmas? Yeah, so uh, we don't have turkey. We Sometimes we do. Uh, last year we did, but we've had Cornish game hen. We've had a bunch of stuff. So we texted our son, who's flying in tomorrow from Toronto, and said, what do you want for Christmas dinner? And he said, well, there is Alberta beef, right? And I said, my friend, yes, there is. So it has already been purchased from, shameless plug here, Jan's Meats and Deli in Calgary. If you've never been, you are missing the best. I went over to Jan's. They cut the steak an inch and a half thick for me, three ribeyes. Those will be going on the grill on Monday at about probably 5.30. Very nice. Now, an inch and a half, do you cook the medium, uh, rare, medium oh. rare? goodness it's a good thing my finger was not on the hang up button when you said the word medium or this conversation would be over no it, look you get the charcoal going i only have a charcoal grill i was threatened with death if i ever changed to a propane grill as long as you know it's it that's the, all you know yeah, yeah it, it it's on the charcoal grill two on the one side the lids off two on the other side the lids off move them off the heat flip them three with the lid on Take the lid off, flip them again, two and a half with the lid on. They're done. They're medium rare. They are the most beautiful steak you've ever had in your life. So sear, sear, cook, cook. Okay. You got it. And at the same time, small uh, sweet peppers and asparagus are moving around the grill to accommodate the steak. It's it's quite a trick. What I should do is a time lapse one time. Oh, yeah. It would be fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, it would be fascinating. So do you put seasoning salt on it or do you put uh, barbecue sauce on it? What do you put on it? Ah, there you go. So we put, uh, there was a seven blend spice that we put on. So you put on olive oil, each side of the steak, so it's covered in olive oil. We now use the keg sprinkle on. I have that. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. 
but there was one that had that, that we used to mix up by hand and it had brown sugar, coffee, I'm never going to remember it all, salt, pepper, garlic powder, maybe I am going to remember it all, chili flakes, and chili powder. Wow. So that was the seven blend that we used to put on, and it was just as good, but the keg's already done, and it's close enough for me. It's, it, I, I've had five people this year say this is the best steak they've ever had in their life, and that's good enough for me. Beautiful. You have a great holiday, sir. Enjoy, and I uh, love you.